supposed to wear watches on their left hand. No, like if you guys really didn't know that, now you know, and you're welcome. And I forgot to wear mine to demonstrate my new knowledge, but you know, I've been trying it out. It's been really great. Uh, second thing about me is that although I don't have it up here with me right now, I have something that when I drop it, it won't break. And um, when I use the phone, it, it works pretty well, and that is my Samsung cell phone. I am an Android user. I am. Now, some of you guys probably felt a little disconnected there, but hopefully, hopefully we'll rein you back in uh, throughout the message. But one thing that Google didn't mention for connection is prayer, and that is the greatest way to connect with people. So if you will bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for um, asking me to speak, God. I don't know why you have put these words on my heart and won't let me let them go. But I know that this message is for somebody. And so I ask even now, God, that you would empty me of myself, that you would fill me up with your spirit because your presence is water. So I ask that you come and fill me and fill me again. Thank you, God, in your name, amen. So I don't know if we can put that picture up on the screen. Yes? Okay, well, the, the people that you were hopefully about to see, I thought it was up there a second ago. Yes, precisely. Uh, these are people are related to me in some way. Uh, I don't know if you can tell. Um, <laughs> But specifically, the person on um, my left, your right, I, you can go to the next slide. This is my sister. Is she older or younger? Did you say younger? Oh, flattered. No, she's older. Um, 
She is older. She's very older. She's like 23 months older. And um, <laughs> although I don't see it, people claim that we look alike. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I do not see it. Like, people say that we're almost indistinguishable. Like, that's how much we look alike. I know. So for years, like, ever since coming um, to America, uh, I've gone to the same church. For years, they called me by her name. So if right now, if you called me Anna Kay, I'd probably respond. Um, probably don't do it, but I would probably still respond. Uh, so it, it comes to the point, like, if, if I've been called by her name so many times, like, if I had a dollar or like, even a dime for the amount of times I've been called her name, I'd, I'd probably be, like, a millionaire or something. It's a millionaire, like a thousand. That's a lot of money. Um, million is too much. But even my church members still have a really difficult time telling us apart. And I never understood why. Like, we really don't look that much alike. But teachers, I've, we've gone to the same schools mostly until college. Teachers had a difficult time telling us apart. And for most of my life, I've lived in her shadow. And it's a pretty amazing shadow. Like, she is the most amazing, annoying person that you will ever meet. Love her to death. Um, she is great. But I would often find myself comparing myself to her or being compared by others to her. And um, that was a big deal. So tonight we're talking about Elisha, okay? Now, we know about Elijah and Elisha, but the resemblances between the two are occasionally so great that it's scarcely surprising that one prophet is confused with the other. I mean, they both lived in the same country. They both were around uh, the, during the same time. I mean, even their names are similar, just like my sister and mine, Anna Kay, Kedra. I'm really not sure why my mom did that, but, you know, we'll deal with it later. But for many people, Elijah and Elisha blend into the epitome of an Old Testament prophet. As a matter of fact, when we think of some of the miracles that were done, we we have a hard time differentiating whether it was Elijah or if it was Elisha that did that. Uh, like, was it Elijah who um, called down fire from heaven or was that Elisha? Was it Elisha who healed the widow's son or was that Elijah or was it both? And it, it gets so difficult that we're, we're always comparing the two. That being said, we live in a world of constant comparisons. And one of my favorite things to do while I'm, you know, waiting in the lines of Walmart, which is what we do for free time here in Berrien Springs, um, while I'm waiting in the lines, I like to peruse through magazines, and one of the sections, you can go to the next slide, do you mind? One of the sections is the who wore it best section, right? Like, these are literally just, it's just a comparison section. Like, did Kim K wear it better, or did her mom wear it better, or, you know, Brandy, or Katy Perry, you're like, are you with the 60% or the 40% who thought it? And those are some of the good ones, but then there are some bad ones where they don't compare them to actual individuals. Rather, they, um, you can go to the next slide. They, yeah, they compare them to objects. <laughs> or to even um, characters from other movies. <laughs> I know, that one's, that one's kind of rough. Like, come on. <laughs> 
But comparison is so deeply ingrained in us that I know you secretly wanted to say, oh, E.T. kind of, E.T. did wear it best, you know? <laughs> did he? No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so the question is now, how do we live in such a world so full of comparisons? Let's turn to 2 Kings 2, verse 9. And I'll know you're there when um, people who are wearing glasses just kind of look up so I know <laughs> the, the, the reflection. Yeah, that's a connection for you guys wearing glasses. All right, 2 Kings 2, and we'll start at verse 1. All right, we'll go from verse 1 to verse 9. <clears throat> When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that you that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. This is the NLT version, by the way, sorry. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then another group of prophets from Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Like, I think he gets the gist, guys. Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two men went across on dry ground. When they came across the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. Let's stop at verse 9. Uh, when I first read that, I was thinking, what is going on? Why did he ask him for a double share of his spirit? Was Elisha comparing himself to Elijah? Did he want to be or to be better than Elijah? As I found out later through a little bit of research, no, he wasn't comparing himself. He was only asking for the spiritual birthright usually given to an eldest son. He just wanted to do the work of someone who was like his father. God had obviously called Elisha to succeed Elijah in his work. You can read in 1 Kings 19 where God told Elisha to choose Elijah sorry, Elijah to choose Elisha. Actually, how it happened is kind of funny. God tells Elijah that Elisha should be his successor, and Elijah comes off the mountain, goes to Elisha's parents' house, 
puts his cloak on Elisha, who's working in the field, and kind of just walks away. Then Elisha is like, okay, well, let me just tie up a few loose ends. And he goes with Elijah just like that. So it's obvious that God had chosen Elisha. And Elisha felt that he dare not take on the responsibility of a prophet or face its inevitable perils unless he were specially equipped with spiritual power. God wasn't calling Elisha to be a replica. God wanted to use Elisha as Elisha. God doesn't call you to preach like Doug Batchelor or T.D. Jakes or to teach like Ann Sullivan who taught Helen Keller, but God calls you to preach and teach or whatever your future profession is or will be as only you could do. Elisha had the good sense to know that what he needed was not to imitate, but to be used. We are on a university campus and many of us are still finding ourselves. Like it takes a little time for you to go through and you know, discover who you are. And we see people above us or even freshmen, you guys, a lot of you guys have it together this year. That's really great. Um, but we see people above us just doing so well. We see them um, just succeeding in their classes or booing up super early or um, anything that you see them do. And we are almost trying to be like somebody else. But as the great Oscar Wilde said, hey, be yourself, because everyone else is already taken. And if you don't like Oscar Wilde, there's another guy, a more contemporary man, a doctor, who says, today you are you, and that is truer than true. And no one alive is more youer than you. Very good. I love that saying. <laughs> what those two statements are basically saying is that you cannot find your identity by trying to be exactly like someone else. Didn't this all start thousands of years ago in heaven when the deceiver of all mankind, Satan, wanted to be like somebody else? Satan compared himself to God, and he just didn't measure up. It brought his downfall. Because Satan didn't succeed, though, he decided, hey, I'll deceive people instead. In Genesis, we find him saying, you will not surely die, for God knows that the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. So we often fall prey to Satan's deception there. Whereas he's saying, hey, there's something that you're missing. There's something that you don't know. There's a little bit extra that you need in your life that, I, that other things or somehow it will be provided for you. Uh, some people, they want a bigger house or maybe a smaller spouse or a deeper thrill or a voice with less shrill. But God can use the negatives in our lives to, uh, to actually serve him in an even greater way. We must accept the work that God has given us in order to truly serve him. So the story is told of a crow. And this crow lived in the forest. 
and he was absolutely satisfied in his life. But one day he saw a swan and the swan, he said, the swan is so white, he thought, and I am so black. This swan must be the happiest bird in the world. He expressed his thoughts to the swan and the swan replied, actually, I was feeling like I was the happiest bird in the world, in the whole creation, but then I saw the parrot. The parrot has two colors. I now think that the parrot is the happiest bird in creation. So the crow goes to the parrot and he asks him the same question. Aren't you the happiest bird in the world? The parrot explained, I live a very happy life and I really was happy until I saw a peacock. I only have two colors, but the peacock has multiple colors. The crow then, I'm sure he's tired by now, he then visited the peacock in the zoo and saw that hundreds of people were gathered to see him. After the people had left, the crow approached the peacock and said, dear peacock, you are so beautiful. Every day, thousands of people come running to see you. But when people see me, they immediately shoo me away. I think you are the happiest bird on the planet. The peacock replied, I always thought that I was the most beautiful and happy bird on the planet. But because of my beauty, I'm entrapped in the zoo. I examined the zoo very carefully. And I've realized that the crow is the only bird not kept in a cage. So for the past few days, I've been thinking if I were a crow, I would be able to happily roam anywhere. We don't value what God has given us. This all leads to a vicious cycle of unhappiness. We have to learn to live happy in what we have instead of looking to others for what you don't have. There will always be someone who will have more or less than you have. And the truth is, that same individual that you are comparing yourself to, are looking, are, they are looking at you and saying, wow, I wish I could have half of what they have. I wish I could be so extroverted. Or I wish I could um, have half of their intelligence. Now, a person who is satisfied with what he or she has is the happiest person in the world. Now, I'm not saying that all comparison is wrong. If women had not compared their plight to that of men, then we wouldn't have had the women's suffrage movement, and we wouldn't have, women probably wouldn't have the right to vote right now. Happy National Women's Month, by the way. And, but I am saying that what we have, um, what I am saying is that we must have a desire to do better and to always be growing in the character of God and not in the character of someone else. Okay, so scroll with me to Galatians 6, verse 4. Um, it's right before Ephesians and right after 2 Corinthians. Some of you guys caught that. <laughs> okay, Galatians 6, verse 4. I'm still reading from the NLT version. Are you there? 
It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now, if we use an analogy, we can say that we are like a picture frame, right? And the picture is of Christ. A good picture draws the viewer's attention to the, sorry, a good picture frame draws the viewer's attention to the picture rather than the frame. So when you disagree with God about how he made you by comparing your looks, or your personality to others, it is, is it possible that you are trying to draw attention to the frame rather than the picture? If you could change certain things about yourself, would it be to bring glory to Christ or to yourself? Each of us has a me that we want to be. And that is often at odds with God's ideal of what we should be. When you fail to become the person God designed, all the rest of us miss out on the gift that you were made to give. Imagine if Elisha was consumed with comparison to the prophet Elijah. We would never be able to read the amazing things that he did. Now in 2 Kings 2 verse 9, we see that Elisha requested a double portion of Elijah's spirit, right? So here's what's cool about God. God, God does exactly what he says he'll do. Because if you go through kind of the end of 1 Kings into the beginning, like the first half of 2 Kings, you too will see that literally twice as many miracles are recorded for Elisha than Elijah. Isn't that crazy? That's literally a double portion of, of his spirit. And when we look through the Bible, God always knows what each person needs. He had Abram take a walk, and he had Elijah take a nap, he had Joshua take a lap, and he had Adam take the rap. He had Moses go on a 40-year timeout, and he, had, he gave David a harp so that he could dance about. He comforted Hagar and he gave Elisha a mantle, which is a coat. <laughs> God never grows two people the same way. God is a hand crafter, not a mass producer. Okay? As we strive, the theme is warriors and prophets, those who fight and talk for God. And as we strive to be those warriors and prophets who talk and who fight for God, let us not compare ourselves to those around us, but allow God to show you where you need to be. If it is your desire to flourish in the way that God wants you to, I ask you to stand with me as we close with prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you do not compare us to others, 
Thank you, God, that you made us just the way we are supposed to be for our mission in life, God. Thank you that you care so much about us. And for the person out there, God, that has been comparing themselves to somebody else to try to measure up in a way that they will never be able to, God, I ask that you would hold them in your hand, that you would show them the path, the path on which you want them to go, that you would never let go, God, that we would come to you with our arms wide open, ready to see what you have for us. Thank you, Lord for everything that you do for us, for every way that you show us to go, for everything that you do um, that makes us different, God. Thank you so much for your love and your care. Bless us tonight, God. In your name I pray.
Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this worship experience and feel ready and prepared to enjoy the rest of your Sabbath. Just a reminder, tomorrow at 4.30, there will be a roundtable discussion called Let's Talk. It will be just up the teen loft in that direction. And as always, please greet your neighbor. Or Sabbath.